What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is episode 339, broken up into two parts, A and B. A, B. Thank you. 339A, posting on 718, will be a discussion on Insidious, The Red Door. And 339B, posting on 721, will be a discussion on The Outlaws, yet another Netflix film. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. Joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Roger. Still in our lovely perma guest, Chris Bond. Gentlemen, how are we today? And before you answer, I have an update. Something I edited completely out of the episode last week was the gunshots. <laughs> However, I found out they were indeed gunshots because the cops, the cops were here, a swarming. And they asked me They asked me if, um, if I had any information. I'm like, um, I was doing a podcast and I heard gunshots and... Um, my landlord told me just to stay away from the windows. <laughs> that was my only involvement. Wow. Sound, sound advice. Mm. I listened to so, it and I, I almost left it in the show. For folks, legitimately, we just heard thump, thump. And we didn't know what it was from. <laughs> and because me and Chris were in the same room with each other. Mm-hmm. We are not tonight. but Safe. Safe, yeah, by the way. Safe together. Holding each other. Yes, I heard, I heard massive what, what could not have been fireworks. It just... Fireworks have a distinctive crack. Gunshots have a distinctive crack. And it was pretty loud, loud enough that they heard it on the other end of the mic. And my mic is not as sensitive as usually other mics are. And it, so they heard it and really loud. And I stood up and there was, there was an altercation outside. Razor was sh- like, hold, hold on, guys. Hold on. I, th- <laughs> I, think, I think that was gunshots. And we're like, shut the fuck up. And then once we died. And then once we knew Grayson was okay, all the memes happened. So Yes, yes, they did. But I edited that entire segment out. Although when I listened to it, it was pretty funny, but I just chose to edit it out. But for edification... Did you I'm save it? Drop out. it back in at the end of this episode. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, I thought that was a little update. Not that you didn't hear it, so there was no update needed, but I just wanted to... You could also just could have told us before we started. Yeah, but it's more fun to tell the world. I, th- I, think <laughs> I so. mean, that's fair. Sure. All yeah, right, you got to tell the people. Got to tell the people, the podcast people. How are we? How are we today, guys? What's going on in your week? The last seven days. Swimming, my kids swim, and I love it, but I also hate it because it's hot out and it takes forever. Mm. Yeah, it has been pretty warm here. That's yeah. that's for sure. Not uh, not the coolest weather we've ever had. Mm-hmm. For the first time in a long time, I had to watch a movie in two parts because it was so bad. So that happened to me this week. Ooh, it did happen. That's true. I was part of that. <laughs> Let's see what else happened for me. Um, not much in my world. You know, we're going to talk about uh, Mission Impossible next week, uh, which is cool because that came out this week. You want to know when I'm watching Mission Impossible? By the way, when guys. Tomorrow, nine forty-five a.m. Tomorrow, I think nine forty-five a.m. You look, it's available to go watch it first thing in the morning, and you don't understand how much that rules for me because, like, I'm a morning guy. Yeah, okay. this movie's going to be so with previews, right? Mm-hmm. With trailers and everything, this movie's three hours long, three hours yep. and six minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just go and be done by one o'clock. <laughs> That, that's how I felt with Fast and Furious when I, I, I saw the 10 a.m. showing. I was, yeah, like, I was like, fuck fucking yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah, but I went, like, I went, I went, for the show this week, I went and saw Insidious at 10.50 at AMC. Wait, like so. P, p.m.? No, morning. Oh, morning. I was like, I didn't know that yeah. shows that. Was there anybody show. there? Nope. I was. Lo- oh, I have a story for you guys, but we'll, I'll save it when we talk about Insidious. I was. Oh, okay. 
I was scared. I was a scared boy. You but was it wasn't a frightened lad. It wasn't because of the movie. <laughs> oh, because there was gunshots outside me. No, I'm just kidding. But oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But no, it's uh, it's hyper relevant to to everything. So yeah, I'll tell you guys when we get to that. <laughs> all right, discussion. that's right in. Hmm. I revisited some. You know, I made a list of all the movies I revisited. and I just left it at I left it at the office. That's a shame. Uh, but I did. I've been watching um, movies from the '80s uh, the last couple of days. Um, I'm I the, I stopped it for the podcast, but I'm watching Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman. If you remember that little gem, of uh, he he uh, goes back to like bring up high school back from terrible on like jungle status of kids ruling the and brings him back to a a list status. That's a, it's a, but that's a well written, very well articulated movie. I always like to watch that one. What else? Did I man, my memory is getting worse and worse these days. It's funny. My memory used to be so sharp when I was in, and I, you know, it did it. And I, I don't know. And this is gonna sound weird, but and I, and like up through high school when you had to write the date on all your pieces of paper you handed in, I always remember what date it was. Like my memory was so much sharper back then. I don't ever know the date, so I just don't have a good memory anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, so when you section this this part off in the in all the different podcast things and give it a timestamp, I want you to write Grayson get, is getting old. But I am getting old because I'm 38. I know. It's sad, really. I can't believe it. You know, Chris, one day you'll be there, too. Eh, we'll see. And you'll be way worse physically than I am. So. <laughs> I was I was, I was middle-aged uh, when I was 20. So we'll mm. see. I am, I've reached my goal for the first week, 20 miles, uh, plus some. I've been running like crazy. So it's good. When I get, when I get, when I get back, I'm going to be jacked. You guys might not even recognize me. <laughs> Thank you, thank you for laughing at me, Chris. I, I appreciate your laughter. Hey, before you come back, you should start growing a mustache. Just so I, when you actually get back, it'll be done. Still can't do that. That's funny. That's so you guys are hilarious. Hmm. This guy, hilarious. this guy, loses, this guy loses a little weight, and a chest hair pops out because he's finally <laughs> he's finally yeah. lost some actual size, and he he's yeah. gonna come back jacked. Everybody, listen to. Him. Yeah, yeah. Well, my brother is he he, he could be a Hemsworth double. He's does that. He's doing the. Doing the work and putting it in, like he's eating right. He's doing. He's in much better shape than you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's but he's in much better shape than ninety nine point nine out of every hundred Americans. So yeah, he's. I'm trying to get into that shape, but he's like, you're right. catch me, bro. He's like, you're never gonna catch me, bro. Don't worry about it. Like, so oh, in, in, instead of helping you and uh, and uplifting your, you know, your guys' situation, he's giving you shit and tearing you down. No. He has to make sure there's a little sibling rivalry in there at all times. No, 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 an no, athletic no. trainer then got you. Yep, yep. That that's big brother energy is what that is. Of course. I of can course. respect it. Respect indeed. What else is going on, guys? Anything else? Chris, you're uh, hot. Roger doesn't have anything going on. That's all that's all I got out of you guys. Yep. Uh, it's close enough. I mean, yeah, it's accurate words. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we're smack <laughs> in the middle of summer. It's kind of lame. We are in um we are in the middle of July, which is, you know, very hot. And this is one of the hottest summers on record in, in, in history, they say. Or like in recent history. So there's that. There's definitely it, it that. Does I mean, feel hotter, not, does not feel recent history, year. like world history. Really? The hottest <laughs> week ever recorded was last week in the Jeez. history of the Earth. So Welcome mm. to Earth. Earth. Well, Earth. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, that's a meme every every uh, July Fourth. Welcome to Earth, every every single one of them. All right, gentlemen, let's not, not this show. July. I remember that. No, Heard something. Yeah, no. Nope. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. A little pledge like that have been taken from us. But all right, let's little do a pledge. Taken from you, sir. That's true. That's true. <laughs>
That's true. Welcome to Earth. This is episode 339 of Fourth Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. Was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. Without further ado, and as tradition dictates, the box office is very, very happy to report Mission Impossible after. A Wednesday release, though I don't know if those numbers factor into this number here. Uh, Fifty-six point two million domestic, two hundred and thirty-five worldwide. One weekend. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's not bad. I'm very happy that's uh, doing the numbers it's doing. I'm uh, incredibly happy. So about this that. is from the guy that thinks Haunted Mansion might do five times that. No, that's I said one hundred and fifty million opening weekend. I could. I mean, I don't know. Disney's either hit or miss. I have no idea, but. Sound of Freedom, twenty-seven million domestic. To your, to your, um, to your credit, Chris, it keeps on steamrolling. It is done a worldwide of eighty-five. However, Mel Gibson is not in that. No, no, but he he's the one that uh, I believe he made it. Oh, he's okay. His okay. I was like, Mel Gibson's not in that. I'd look that up, but I de- I definitely want to check that out this week. I know it's been it's being more widely released, so mm-hmm. I'm happy happy about that. Insidious, the Red Door, number three, 13 million domestic, with a worldwide of 122. Very respectable number. Now, just for context, the original Insidious did 110 million. You guys, you guys know what the budget was for that? Just take a guess. 11 American dollars. That's More not than that. One and a half million dollars. <laughs> really is 11 bucks. Wait, <laughs> wait, what? One, one and a half million bucks for what? For the first Insidious film, jeez! Like, look, I am very confident that I could have, uh, I could have crowdfunded that amount of money to make that movie. And um, it's, I don't remember what the budget for Paranormal Activity was, but that movie made gangbusters as well for almost for damn near no investment at at all. So that's what. But Insidious, if you remember, it, it was all, it was a lot of it was digital. It would have been shot very cheap. It wouldn't have been had that added cost of film. And the, it was all one one location. So the original so, Paranormal Activities budget was fifteen thousand U.S. dollars. Oh so yeah, yeah. That's how, a, how they made Insidious so cheap is they actually captured a demon and then <laughs> <laughs> and then filmed it. They yeah, paid no they one. <laughs> they paid no. No, one. yeah. Like, look, Insidious isn't even a movie. It's actually a documentary about this family Jesus. being possessed <laughs> and they just were they allowed this man to become possessed and just filmed it it's mm. actually really fucked up if you think about it <laughs> you say that like it's a true story like we're not <laughs> jeez louise man Look, you know actually once, one you, of the... once you learn to deliver lines like that you will really be funny <laughs> it's something about that is i don't know if you guys a lot of stuff has come to light through this strike of you know people posting things about you know what they do in the industry and why it's hurting them and you know it there's a lot of jobs in in the film industry, and so wait, does Hollywood actually have a stable of captured demons? Yes or no? No, I'm sorry for your. Damn it! Just like well, actually, you know, I'd have lost that bit. I listened to the ep- the last last week's episode when I'm like, and these ancient these ancient cultures, I don't know how they built a rudge like aliens, bro. Why are we still talking about this? <laughs> aliens. <laughs> we were talking about aliens. the pyramids, right? Yeah. The, 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 the man has a point. <laughs> um. So something has come to no, light. Me and Chris is, both, didn't we both answer that in unison? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, it's like aliens. <laughs> but you said it's so like deadpan fact. Like definitely. Well, but, but yeah. Sometimes the joke isn't a joke, and that's why it's funny. I mean. It's, it's, it's true. It's very true. So a lot of, and I know a lot of people that are 
also very upset about this is the studios for for some time now have been and this is part of, this is part of the whole issue of the strike of what they're trying to avoid is studios for some time now have been developing technology that obviously like when you oh yeah no I, I, I've heard of this the scan thing the yep. extra the the, the background yeah. actors like they're mm-hmm. trying to do away like the extras in the scene like if you're in a coffee shop those are gonna have to be real people and there's no way around it yet however outside the background like you don't have to have you know, people like stuntmen driving stunt cars back and forth and people walking and remembering mm-hmm. cues. They're trying to make it all digital and people are upset that they're taking away livelihood. And I don't, again, that's a weird, there's someone, there's so many facets to this strike that I'm finding out more and more every day, but I just want to point that out too for a little inside baseball, but the, but the strike did, it did happen. And as of, I know that we had some additional shooting we were supposed to do that we are not able to do anymore. Um, and I know that other, I talked to some friends on other, sh- a lot of stuff was, st- a lot of stuff started this Monday, like as of, you know, it started six, seven days ago and it immediately shut down because they were assuming the strike wouldn't happen. So they would have our people off office open, get it going. But I have a lot of people in Atlanta who started new shows and they are now not on a show. So interesting, a little update for the strike, but. Sean liked one of my tweets a couple of days ago because I'm hilarious. Mm, that he did. Anyway, back to Insidious. Big time. <laughs> Insidious. It's doing very well for itself. Um, let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. 12 million, number four, with a worldwide of 302. I am so surprised that broke 300. That's just the budget. So they have another about 100 million to go before they break advertising budget as well. Keep chugging, baby. Keep chugging. Mm-hmm. And finally... Knocking Spider-Man out of number five. Elemental bringing in another 8.7. Has done great for itself in 311 worldwide. Now, Roger, you say that's more than Encanto? It is more than the worldwide for Encanto. I find yes, that sir. so hard to believe. But if you say it, then it must be true. Let's Spider-Man across Spider-Verse. <laughs> All right, Abe Lincoln. Spider-Man across Spider-Verse is that's setting George its... Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 663 million. That's still a little chugging along. It didn't do great this weekend, but it only did six and a half million. <laughs> only did. Yeah, just so you know, um, Encanto only made 256.5 million total. That's yep. so yep. weird because that was the, the buzz around that movie was huge. Well, yeah, don't forget. It was a big time movie. Well, but that was it. also movie theaters weren't full go yeah, exactly it was, like it is now. But it was twenty it was twenty twenty one, wasn't it? So yeah, yep. it, it, things were still slow. Hampered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, we are we are full go for the first time in like four years, man. It's and nice. It really, it really feels is. like it. Is it? Because there's people everywhere again and it's just ugh, it's fucking exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, six through ten. Spider Man plus Spider Verse. <laughs> Transformers, Rise of the Beast, No Hard Feelings, Joyride, and The Little Mermaid, still in the top 10, has 547. That's, I, I expected three times that. We know. What in the, man, you you put me in charge of things creatively, Disney, you would not be hurting right now. Let's just just say that. Um, So there's your box ups. Mission Impossible, Sound of Freedom, Insidious, The Red Door, Indiana Jones, Isle of Destiny, Elemental, your top five. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I expected oh. Spider-Man to be in for one more week at least, but maybe Sound of Freedom, honestly, because the, it's what third. It's its third week. It, it was against Indiana Jones, and it's it's still maintaining what that second or third place spot comparatively. Yeah, it's number which, two. Yeah, which you know usually you know things kind of like take that hard nosedive, but it's been at a very steady number for a little while now. So yes, that that, that is somewhat impressive. So okay, that's I guess a little bit 
um, surprising, but it's it's a, it's a very good surprise, I, th- I think. Hmm. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. I think we shall. Let's take a look at current and upcoming releases. Now, this is not a whole lot of movement as of now, although people still do think something's going to move on Oppenheimer and Barbie, but it's too late for that. It's too late. No, yeah, no it's way. Way, yeah, no, it's way too late for that. That's I, just, I, I like how everyone's pitting them against each other. I think my wife pointed this out to me today, and it, it's or maybe last night. It's funny how everyone is kind of trying to pit those two against each other. I know they have a similar release date. They've had it for a long time, but... It, it, it doesn't have to be them, you know, them versing each other. I mean, nope. yeah, they're going to, they're going to all go to the movies. Yeah. They're, they're going to cannibalize a little bit of each other's box office because you know, they're, they're big movies on the same day. But other than that, they don't care about each other at all. No, but besides, I, I think there is yeah. kind of a gentleman's agreement between the people that, you know, the people high enough up that there's like a, I'm sure their pockets are being lined a little bit by other factors. Like we, we need this summer to be a banner summer. So let's just all, all one, which boom, just put it out. Let's get people, let's you know, get people back in the back in the theaters for at least the summer. Well, the one yeah. thing I've actually appreciated about the whole "Hey, we're doing two big movies on the same day" thing is the cast of both films. They they won't get baited into it. They're like, yeah, it's great. Everybody should go watch both the movies on the same same yep. weekend. They're like, I can't wait to like the Cilly uh, Silly Murphy was like, I can't wait to watch Barbie the same weekend Oppenheimer opens. Yeah. Like, that's just what he said. <laughs> I was like, that's yep. that's kind of rad though, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the one other thing, too, is if they do cannibalize each other, it's going to be a small number because, yeah. look, it's not the same crowd, right? Well, yeah, so it, it, it the, kind of the crowd though. going to see. Well, maybe the the primarily the crowd going to see Oppenheimer, a three hour movie about blowing up, you know, making a fucking nuclear device isn't exactly the same crowd you're pulling in for like Barbie. Exactly. Which <laughs> now, listen, probably... I am very excited to watch both of these films, mm-hmm. but remember, we're not typical. Either. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, so like, I mean, I, we're in a little different spot. I, I'm not that excited for Barbie. I'm super excited for Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer, like that movie, is my jam for like the kind of movies I like to watch. But I definitely think Barbie is going to do way more box office just because it has. It's hitting more people, right? Because yep. while you have, you know, like you got, it checks you have, more boxes. It does. It, you got you have the date crowd, especially, you know, like you know, you it's a it's going to be a good date movie. All this other stuff that plays into that. Where Oppenheimer, it's a period piece, and it's a def it's it being a longer film. You ain't bringing your kids to that. You're not bringing family to that for you know most ages. And then you know it's it's going to be more more of a of a guy movie, right? So it, it'll make less money than Barbie. It turns it, out, it though, will. that I do know what happens in Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, history remembers so, very well. The Asian culture remembers very well what happens some, in Oppenheimer. Some key points, yes, but still, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they Also, do. Oppenheimer doesn't have a frosted tips fucking Ryan Gosling either. No, it does not. No, it does not. 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 <laughs> It'd be it, fucking not hilarious if it did. Yeah, right? <laughs> And he's of course got that smile on his face. Yeah, yeah. But here's the th- see. Here's the thing that I don't see that I have been confused with for since I was in middle school when they made these movies is your sexuality. No, mm-hmm. but that's borderline going to be taken out. I don't know. I haven't figured that. Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't understand. Like this is a very important. This is an extremely important time in human history. You know, it it brought the Second World War to a close. Else ways it would have cost. I mean, the 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 numbers of troops it would have cost to take to take the Japanese capital to end the war. It would have, it would have been just astronomical. It would have been 
it's just it's incredible and i don't understand why this movie same reason i don't understand like when i movies that have come out since i was in element middle school and high school like why are people not watching these movies about hit about times in history that were like very important? Why did, you know, so if, if, I mean, if Oppenheimer does anything less than, you know, 500 million opening weekend, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it won't do that, but I'm surprised that people aren't more like looking forward on a larger scale to watch Oppenheimer because it's probably the one event that everyone in world history knows is the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs. I so, mean, it might be, it might be because everybody already knows. Well, sure. But I, I, I good luck to both those movies. I, I do think Oppenheimer is going to be the more successful, both critically and commercially. That's just, that's mm-hmm. my personal. And I've been thinking about this back and forth. I asked you guys to really kind of consider that too. And I'm sure you guys are going to be Barbie's the more commercial Oppenheimer's the more critical. I just think Oppenheimer's going to take both those. Well, let's but see. You think it's going to do more money? I do. <laughs> I really do. Because I mean, it's also got Nolan. Don't forget the pull that Nolan has. No, it's, it, it's not. It's not the big like as big of a pull as you think it is when it comes to that much numbers, that much money involved. If it well, was like two big directors head to head, same movie, similar genre, whatever you want to say, then maybe. But it's not. It's two completely different genres, two completely different style of movies, and one is just gonna bring more seats into the theater. That's just fair, all there is to it. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's tied to it at that point. I mean, I, I understand that. So, but I'm, that's still my guess. Uh, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm voting on Oppenheimer. I'm voting on the power of Nolan after Tenet. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, he's able to rebound after Tenet, which isn't, <laughs> he doesn't take much rebounding, but that movie was not received well. No. No. Yeah. All right. July 28th. Disney's haunted you make mansion. a movie where you can't hear what they're saying. The people are like, man, this probably wasn't the best, huh? <laughs> Disney's haunted mansion on the 28th and talk to me. Now that I've seen the actual talk to me trailer all the way through, it's kind of, it's kind of intriguing to me, but again, you're opening against you're opening the week after Barbie and Oppenheimer. You're not going to do any money. Like, you, you just face it. You're not, yeah. you're not going to do any money, but that maybe that's also, I mean, to your point, maybe that's also why Disney chose the 28th yeah. is because maybe they know they have a turd on their hands. And I'm, I'm just saying you guys are saying it's not going to make much money. And if that's the, if, if that's the case and Disney knows it, then sticking it the week after Barbie and Oppenheimer at least for shareholders, is enough to say, ah, that was an oversight. Call it by its given name, Barbenheimer. Barben, yes, the, the new the new <laughs> meme, yes. All right, starting off August. I mean, you could call it Oppenheimy. Oppenheimy. August 2nd, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. August 4th, Meg 2, The Trench, Till Death Do Us Part. Not one movie. Love that, love that uh, poster you sent me, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Jason Statham just... New Meg, old chum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking... The- I wish I got paid to make fucking movie taglines. <laughs> well, for a movie like that, it's different than a movie like Oppenheimer because you're you have fun with the yeah because it would say like bombs away like some sort of insensitive prick. And would, <laughs> oh my god! Yes, thank you. This movie will blow you away. Anyone from the Asian community? <laughs> anyone from the Asian community? If you want to write in, or not, you can write into Fourth Love Center Podcast at gmail.com. I, I'm right. just uncomfortable that you keep calling out the Asian community specifically. That's the third time you've done yep. that. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if you... That was where the both bombs were dropped. Mm. No, I'm aware. Uh, oh, <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> I mean, if anyone's going to be upset about that, it's them. I'm just oh. saying. All right. Oh. August August 11th. Grand Turismo. Wow. We are Jules. fucking off the rails today. <laughs> yeah. 
and The Last Voyage of the Demeter. And August 18th, Blue Beetle, Landscape with Invisible Hand, and Strays. Man, I want Wait. that... I want that. Is landscape is landscape one word, or is it landscape with invisible hands? Is that like one movie that, title? That's the whole one title. movie title. Yeah, landscape yeah, with invisible title. hands. What? The f- I don't even. I, I clicked on it. I still don't know what it is. I'm. I'm. All I'm. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> All right. Finishing out August is Bottoms, The Hill, Retribution, and White Bird: A Wonder Story. So, I'm, oh, Retribution's a that's a that's another Liam movie. That's one of those. <laughs> churn out in seven months you know <sighs> i know i know i did that we, at, at one time i was happy we we're getting those but now i'm like just make now it. now I, listen dude it really is its own meme it really is hey look, look it's been mean, six months where's liam neeson's next fucking generic action flick yeah but you know he's making he's making bank during all he's look, like I, listen, if i can keep I, doing I'm, these guys i'm doing it. i want him to just make 10 million dollars every six months that's totally fine for me i i mean that seriously but like eventually somebody's gonna be like dude Stop. <laughs> Stop. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're just joking when you say $10 million every six months, but $10 million is almost almost the budget of Insidious the Red Door. Yeah, there you, <laughs> so go. There you like, go. No, that makes sense. Yeah, in yeah. one man. <laughs> mm. And September 1st, Equalizer 3, which I don't know how excited for. Now, this is coming from someone I love the first Equalizer. It was kind of lukewarm on the second one. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how I feel about that tracks. One. Yeah, well, I mean, sure, this one's going to be even more lukewarm than the second one but my big fat greek wedding three on the eighth along with and i wanted to go here roger because i want to ask you now that you've seen the full trailer on the big screen for the nun two how do you feel about this same as i felt before which is what no okay fair because that's that's what we're watching that week big yeah, fat sure greek is. wedding is you know no I think that when they make the next Nun movie, which they will, they need to name it. They need to have a just the poster needs to be a picture of the nun throwing up, and just needs to be called Nun Chuck. I think that'll be perfect because these you, movies are fucking. Can you turn his mic off, hey, please? Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> turn his mic off. My goodness, no, man. I'm here, I'm here all night. Um, like well, the thing about the nun is, at I least, have no doubt. <laughs> at least it follows the story of the nun. We have Frenchie who is still possessed, although he yeah. survives. He survives. Of course he does. So we we know this because of what's in the first Conjuring film is the Warrens have a video of Frenchie being being like he's on video. They're making a documentary about his possession. So we know he survives at least through this movie. Um, but we, you know, it's it's again about the Abbey. You know, Frenchie's got that plot armor, baby. He does have the plot armor. Also, <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. The woman who I'm the the woman who was. <clears throat> survived the first nun, the very young nun who survived it. And she somehow stayed in the same place where the evil was, where she had went through that whole hellish ordeal. She stayed there. As far as I'm concerned, whatever happens to you at this point, that's on you. <laughs> that's yes. on you. Absolutely. <clears throat> but I'm looking forward to the nun because I like a good jump scare. So that's just... Do you? I do. Especially mm. the nun. I, I like the concept of the nun. I mean... Chris, you like the whole angels and demon thing. I like the idea of a religious abbey that has a demon nun. I mean, on on the very vague base premise, I, I like that. I like it. I just the movie's not great, but it's fun, I guess. It's dog shit. You know it. <laughs> yeah, of course I know it. But again, remember when she takes the blood of Christ when they find it somehow in the abbey and she puts it in her mouth and spits it on the nun? Remember when? Oh yeah. Why it? wouldn't yeah. you do that? Because that makes sense. You could have just thrown it at her. Nope. Got to go in your you mouth. Didn't, you didn't have to put it in your mouth. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, context is everything, folks. Context is everything. Well, it well no, right. isn't it? Well, it isn't the something in religious scripture is you know consuming the blood of Christ. It makes sense. All right, let's move on then, shall we? All right, let's take a look at what's streaming this week. We are taking a look at Amazon as that is next on rotation. Um, one I haven't talked about in a while that I did revisit this week, and I, I do once every few weeks, is Gladiator. And I will evangelize this movie because I think it's one of the finest examples of film that we've had in the past even 30 or 40, 50 years. I'd go back because to Because the second one's coming out? Well, no. I mean, look, if it ever does come out, we don't. I mean, it's on the docket and it's been cast, and Ridley Scott says it's coming, but I just. Look, until it comes out, it's one of those things. Uh, Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Richard Harris, Oliver Reed, Derek Jacoby, Jimon Hansu, 2000. I still think this movie has some of the best conversations in film history post-1950. Uh, I, I really do think that. The, the conversation he has, Maximus has with uh, Marcus Aurelius about how Marcus Aurelius will be remembered. Will he be the tyrant? Will, will he be the man who brought the sword? Will he be the tyrant, the philosopher? You know, it's a great conversation. Uh, Mac, then immediately after he leaves the tent, his conversation with Lucilus, uh, the emperor's daughter, You, without spoon feeding it to you, you kind of get the idea that they have a past, that they each have a child, but they mm. still do kind of think about each other from time to time. Mm. They're fond with each other. Yeah. You know there's a past Ooh. there. You know there's a thing nice. there. And then immediately into Maximus being betrayed, the, the you know the the emperor is slain, and that that whole mass you set up sequence. Sometimes yes. it makes it makes the blade stick. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's a wonderful. And then Oliver Reed again, just conversations of that caliber don't tend to be repeated in movies very often. But then again, halfway through, when Maximus is talking to the one gladiator that Marcus Aurelius gave his freedom to played by R- Oliver Reed. When he, when he's talking about the, the swing of your sword and the thunder of the crowd and just them whispering your name and you become something more than a gladiator. Like that's one of those scenes that fuck man, like where are those scenes these days? They're definitely not Netflix movies we're watching. Where are they? I mean, my goodness, it's just It'd be a lot cooler if they were in the Netflix movies. Can we watch gladiator and talk about it again? One day we will. One day we will. Mm. But Gladiator is one of those movies I think is it does stand the test of time. Uh, Russell Crowe did give up the Ring trilogy for that, so it's better. Well, be... He did all right. Yeah. No. Yeah. He did. He did all right. I mean, he did all right, and and the Ring they trilogy did all right. Did fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Probably better. Everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody yeah. Wins. So. Uh, I actually have a Gladiator story. I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast. Did I ever tell you about the time when I watched Gladiator in a movie theater? Did I ever tell that story? Wait, wait. Was there people standing in the aisles? No. Okay, go go on. Wait. Why would people be standing in the aisles? Sit down. Because I was. I was. They over. That was. That was the they dark time it. of that. The, they oversold. They were doing things where they were selling each side of the ticket. They were selling and putting put cash in their pocket. And oh shit! I, I know all about it. <laughs> go, nice. go 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 ahead. But so, like, I was at a show that, I mean, because Gladiator is not a short movie, right? It clocks in at, what, two and a half? Two, two, two and a half plus, yeah. Um, so it was like a 945 show at the logo. It was Carmike at the time, Grayson's old old stomping ground. And there was a raging storm going on outside, like this fucking banger of a thunderstorm. And the power at the whole movie theater went out during the movie. Like, legitimately just past halfway. 
And so the lights come back on and obviously like they had to reset the projector and get everything fixed. So it took a few minutes while we're sitting there waiting. Some guy randomly yells out. He's probably beating somebody's ass right now. And the whole theater was like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but I think that dude rules. (laughs) Well, I mean, beating somebody's ass right now. But he clearly wasn't. The movie wasn't fucking playing. Doesn't make any sense now that I think about it like that. But it was funny. But at the time, it was great. That's a good one. That was <laughs> the natives were restless. <laughs> it's one of those seminal movies, man. That just, it just. I'm so glad it won that year. It deserved to win, man. Awesome. All right. Nope. Chris by director Jordan Peele, Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Piera, Stephen Yun, David Keith. 2022. Tell us about Nope. Uh, so Nope was Jordan Peele's third. Uh, submission into the wider movie space and it was a good one uh, I think all three of his films have been have been good so far some uh, some of them great this one is my second favorite behind us but it's a weird sci-fi monster movie and it's one of those films where we went in thinking we were going to get one thing and it was a whole another deal with just the way and when things are revealed and what's actually happening and then all the way through, and visually, this movie is fantastic, especially in the third act. The way that uh, they actually portray the monster in, in this film and how everything looks is just—it's some of the best CGI you know we've seen, I think, in the last five years. And that—that's also including you know movies like Avatar and things like that in that mix. So it's—it's it's with good company. I don't know. I, I think it's a good—it's a good film. It's engaging. It has some question marks in there. There's extra stuff for people to kind of figure out and notice on rewatches and there's a whole bunch of like fan theory on certain parts of the movie meaning different things very good film and i don't know that i think it's worth watching if you have the chance to turn it on so you said nope was your second favorite behind behind us us. yeah see get out it goes get out nope us for me of those Mm -hmm. three i got you roger how's it go for you if you can same as yours actually yeah so that's i mean it's i mean they're not they're not two different they're not all from quality wise. They're not. There's not too big of a divide. Oh, yeah, there, oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, I'm not saying that you know that Get Out is trash. I just i I really really liked the way that the the whole thing comes together in us, especially at the end. And I think just the it's one of the few times where like score and music has really like pushed something. I think to the next level, like noticeably in a film. And that that was with us's finale. And then. I don't know. I just think that Nope is a more engaging and it's it's a movie that's a more outside the box than what Get Out was. It also has that violent scene when that when the, the chimp was just killing people. <laughs> Why am I laughing when I say that? I don't know. But that that scene was not easy. It was not. But it was, it was one of those scenes where you're like, oh, my God, like you're nervous for just watching it. Mm-hmm. All right. Good submission. Roger Kickboxer. Yeah, right. so let's finally talk about a fucking good movie, folks. Jean, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dennis Alexio, Michael Cuisi, Dennis Chan, 1890, sorry, 1989. 1889 <laughs> Kickboxer was filmed. 1989. So uh, legitimately, this movie is like peak Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a guy named Kurt Sloan. What a strong name, by the way. And through a series of unfortunate events, he has to fight a guy whose name is Tiger Poe, which, dude, you don't ever fight nobody named Tiger. And <laughs> it's a kickboxing movie, and it rules. You guys ever watch it? 
I have, I have not seen that. It's been a while. You've never seen Kickboxer Chris? I just assume it's close to Street Fighter with John claude Van Damme. No, no, so. no. Street Fighter's trash. <laughs> Actual trash. Like well, the, it's one of fun the trash. It's very fun mm. trash. But mm. <laughs> if you have a chance to look at the poster for Kickboxer, I wanted to point this out too. If you can pull up the poster and like the guy that's superimposed in the background, that's Tiger Poe, baby. What's all over that dude's face? I don't that's remember. Blood dog? Oh, is it blood? It doesn't. Yeah, it looks, it looks like just his skin is peeling off his face. But maybe that's just me. But yeah, I, I always like that poster. Broken. I always like that poster though because it's you know it's, it does the imposition of the eighties and nineties, really just putting people in random places on the posters. Yeah, Kickboxer yeah. spawned like six or seven movies too. Dude, John Claude is jacked in that. Dude, he's always he's jacked. Jacked in everything. Oh, you looking at the poster? Like he's absolutely yeah. shredded. Yeah, that poster. Like it. Like that's like I almost don't think that that's real, <laughs> but it very well might be. Man, it probably still looks like that. I don't know. I, mean, I whenever Street Fighter comes on, I just can't help but watch the disaster. The train, the train yeah, wreck that movie is. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, he's guile. He's just it's it's a weird adaptation that never should have been made, but it, I'm glad it was made. But, you know, yeah. there was supposed to be a sequel to that, but uh, old Raul Julia died in between, you know, after the movie. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's probably better than If, if you ever watched like Street Fighter all the way through, there's an end credit scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I did it's, not know that. So at the very end, of it's, it's there still, obviously. You know how like Bison is buried under the rubble? The yeah. last snip of the movie, as it ends, like you know, like end, end credit stinger style, it's his hand punching through the uh, the rubble. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. They took from us what could have been amazing. Well, I mean, no, they probably, didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> Let's talk about some trailers real, real quick, shall we, gentlemen? Let's talk about Napoleon uh, by director again Ridley Scott. Uh, it's an it's an Apple TV it's an Apple TV theatrical. original, but it's it's debuting theatrically in November. Joaquin Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, Ben Miles, Ian McNeese. It's a feature. What do we okay. think? About this? Hold on. So before I say how awesome this trailer is, because it's fucking awesome. Um, do we know is this the first theatrical Apple TV movie? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, we'll find out then. Also, assuming, trailer looks rad. I can't wait I'm to watch it on my iPhone. I'm assuming some of them have been, the, but it'll be for like that 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 two week period in Los Angeles only kind of deal. But I don't know if this is the first like widely released one. It could be. It certainly could be. Chris, what's your thoughts on Napoleon? So Napoleon looks interesting to me. I I do I do love my period pieces. So this is one that I'm interested in. Uh, I'm I'm down for him just wreaking havoc on battlefield after battlefield as Napoleon was known to do. So I don't know as a civ as a civ enjoyer, uh, anything that has any of the, <laughs> the, ma- the major people in period pieces, I'm down to uh, be inspired to play a new nation. So I- I'm in on this one. Well, I mean, it's Napoleon. I mean, everyone knows his story. Everyone knows his, you know, he got, he gets bogged down. Apparently no one's ever been able to take Russia because it's just too fast, but you know, he gets bogged down by it's he's cold there. He's a brilliant military tactician, but you know the Russians were one step ahead of him, and they kept while he was coming penetrating further. Yeah, he doesn't. Further they in. don't realize that Russia invented snow. <laughs> right, right. They um they beat him, but I wonder how this movie will start and end because I know enough about Napoleon's life that there, there's several starting points and only one ending point. At least, well, if you're going to end it at his defeat at Waterloo, then 
you kind of have to, right? But I don't know if they're going to do that. But it's I'm excited to see Joaquin Phoenix play. He's a good actor, and to say he's good is underselling it. He's exceptional, mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. And to play and see him play a character like this, we'll see. So we will definitely see. So I think it's safe to say we're all very excited for what's going to be like a three and a half hour movie <laughs> theatrically. And how are you going to view this, Roger? Uh, on my iPad while you're cooking dinner. Uh, probably when I'm driving. <laughs> Having a conversation with your wife at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to put it on. Like, actually, I'm going to, you know, my phone hooks right into my, you know, entertainment system in my car. So, you know, and actually it's only listed as two hours and 38 minutes where the other, their, their next movie or the one before Napoleon, the killers of the flower moon the western one that they have coming out with DiCaprio with, yeah. uh, DiCaprio so that's listed listed at 328 holy god jeez louise well i so, mean i that's gonna be that cuts down on the profits though so they have to know that well, isn't that well. a score that's scorsese too right yeah i think so so yeah this one's actually going to be that one's also in theaters by the way yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a, a very a very strong fall also because Napoleon and that one will be the the big fall releases as far as critically concerned. So you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer for the for, for the summer. So yeah, it's gonna be a big um, it's gonna be a big. Oh, damn, Killers of the Flower Moon has been in development since March of 2016. Jeez Louise! All right, let's talk about Twisted Metal. We've now seen a feature a full length trailer for this series. What are we thinking about? Twisted Metal with Anthony Mackie, Taj Vons, Stephanie Beatriz, Nev Campbell, Will Arnett, Thomas Hayden. It's a series. What are we thinking? So um, I'll be honest. I'm actually kind of okay with it. I thought it was going to be stupid, but I mean, it still might be stupid, obviously. But I mean, I like the premise that they put as an episodic TV show, you know, and they got to make it as have to go from city to city to city. I'm okay with that. And um, I like the idea of sweet tooth being the wrestler Samoa Joe voiced by Will Arnett. Like I'm okay with that too. <laughs> so I think that ought to be cool. Cause there's one other thing too. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There is a feature at with um, Anthony Mackie's character and sweet tooth, like singing uh, the thong song by Cisco, by the way. So I recommend you check that out. That's actually hmm. kind of hilarious. I, I definitely will check that out. Yeah. So you, I, I, he, he, Will Sweet Tooth goes, you pray, you also pray to the silver-headed god. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Cisco in the thong song. <laughs> All right, that's funny. I like yeah, when he's at, like what do you when he's asking for what he wants in the beginning. He's she, Nev Campbell's like, he's like she's like, what do you want? He's like two toilet high paper. toilet paper. I can do better. She says. He goes three <laughs> ply. <laughs> that made me laugh. So like I'm kind of mixed on it being like. In, delivered the way we are the comedy what we'll to see if it actually lands or not if it makes sense and what i grew up playing as the twisted metal you know games in that universe i am happy about edis episodic because going from city to city means that they might be able to actually like give time to each of the characters that they want to focus on yeah so you don't just get some big some like you know 45 minute build up some half hour problem and then a half hour final act where all of your known faces are in one place and you don't get to like you know, experience yeah. any of them this way. They might be able to like, you know, get, I can have know. 10, 45 minute episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll end up at sweet tooth eventually, but there's a lot of other characters that are, you know, twisted and messed up and hilarious to metal. read about. It made a metal. <laughs> so it's like, there, there's some cool stuff here that they might be able to do with it being episodic. So the more and more 
I think about it, the more it does make sense. And I think it's, it's, it's a big advantage for what we're going to see. And it's very clearly rated R. (laughs) Oh yeah. Do you think it'll do anything for Peacock? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they judge that. And I work for that company. I have no fucking idea. Well, we talked (laughs) about, will it, will it bring streamers? Like, will it bring subscribers in? I mean, sure. I better bring somebody in. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to switch from DirecTV to a, to Comcast, you know, because of Twisted Metal coming out. That's not what it's going to be. Yeah, but they might pay two ninety nine a month for it. There you go. I think they might add it to their list. Yes, you know, of like of their streaming services to watch it. Yeah, I think it's possible. It's well, got the enough pull. The thing with Peacock too is they won't drop it all at one time. It will be episodic week to week. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, well, there you go. Well, I'm I'm not as psyched about it as I once was. Um, I, this is one PlayStation franchise. Um, I'm still like, why would you choose this one over uh, way more relevant ones to make into you a series? You do not bow to the silver-headed god. I don't. I guess. I'm also wondering you how should. they got. I'm also wondering honestly, how they got Nev Campbell. Well, honestly, uh, Grayson, money. To answer your question, though, Grayson, I think it's because while yeah, the premise in Twisted Metal has always been kind of a weird, wonky, like you know, just weird arcadey game. The villains in Twisted Metal are all interesting when you actually like like read their bios and things like that. Or I mean, that's the, the fact game. that they're all villains. Uh, I mean, some no, there's some good guys in in that universe. But like your big ones, like obviously Sweet Tooth here is a huge fan favorite. But like Calypso even is like a very interesting character and why he you know is present in the tournament in some games and things like that. And there's other characters that actually have like some oh. pretty interesting stories. Axel, the greatest character ever mm-hmm. created. Oh yeah, psychopath. <laughs> I thought our I th- I thought our guy was gonna be Axel, but that's not the case. It is. I mean, he still could be. He could be. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> isn't, isn't Axel like? Isn't he on like a lot of the cases for the first couple? I mean, he's uh, I mean, Axel. He's the guy in between two if, wheels. <laughs> I mean, if Sweet Tooth wasn't the iconic Twisted Metal character, it would be Axel, right? <laughs> like, All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you, but time will tell how that one is. I'm, I'm sure it'll be very serviceable and it'll have a very wide audience. I just hope it's good because, I mean, obviously we probably won't talk about much on the show past the, the release of it, but I would like to probably check it out. It might be funny. Mm-hmm. Seems I agree. like they're going to go for at least a, some comedy in it, so... I would agree with that. Now, let's. Uh, the last one is Jules with Ben Kingsley. It's a feature. Now, this is something that you guys know. I just I eat this stuff up. Man. You love this trailer, didn't you? Of course mm. I did. Of course I did. Um, I, Jules is is a trailer about an alien that quite literally crash lands in suburban America, and Kingsley's family just kind of takes him in, gives him apples, and I'm sure he's going to teach them things, and it's going to be, you know, but one of those family friendly. The first thing I thought of, and I can't remember what it's called, is Roger. You may have I don't want to Google it because I want to remember. Bright but it, burn. No, no, no. Also, no, no, not even close. <laughs> um, what's the? Um, there was a movie in like 2012, 2013, The Secret Life of Timothy Green, or something. Remember, he was like part plant, or something. Uh, or maybe I, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's I the wanna, first thing I thought of. I don't want to railroad this, but I hate you, Roger. I just spat my water everywhere because <laughs> of the bright burn comment. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but this this looks to be very, if you watch the trailer, it looks to be very, you know, emotional, all the feels. I'm all about it. I did laugh really hard with the the very first time in the trailer where they're sitting at the the dinner table. And he's like, we don't have to tell her. He's like, but we already told her. He's like, we could kill her. She's like, I could kill you. (laughs) You (laughs) couldn't kill me. (laughs) No, I'm, I I think, 
this is the one that I'm I'm gonna be. We're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna watch it that week because whatever whatever's coming out against is gonna be a bigger movie. But I will definitely check it out. I'm very excited for it. Actually, sure. My, it's ben, probably it's nice an okay movie. See, it's nice to see Ben Kingsley too because we don't see him very often anymore. But it's nice to see. It's him It's so well. weird when I see him with hair. It is very weird. That dude is supposed to be bald and everything. Yeah, pretty much since I've known him. Yeah, like, he's like the quintessential yeah. cool bald guy. Yeah. Ever since I've been watching movies, like Ben Kingsley has been bald. So yeah, it's a culture shock for me to see him with hair. I get you. I get you. All right. Long overdue. Let's talk about the movie of the week, Barbie. I'm kidding. Insidious, The Red Door. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about some particulars, gentlemen, shall we? But first, Insidious, Red Door, tomato meter. Super high number, 37%. <laughs> the audience score, actually a high number, 70%. So there's a big divide there. And I can see, after seeing the movie, I understand the divide. I get well, why there's a divide. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just lay it out. The reason for the higher audience score, because, like, look, if you've watched every other Insidious movie, this is absolutely another Insidious movie, right? I mean, that's what the title said. Well, it's half. It's halfway due there. to what the credits say. <laughs> it is an insidious film, but no, I mean, I don't think if anybody's come along because this is what this is the fifth movie, right? Yes. So I don't think if you've watched all the other ones to this point and be like, well, this is a lot worse than the other ones. <laughs> but I mean, it is a lot worse than the first I mean, couple. That's for sure. Key face was or key finger was not great. That was a weird. Sh- showing for them and again it's it's keys and doors Remember when she stuck the key in that dude's neck yeah weird yeah. all right was weird it, well, involved. are these films linked to like the annabelle stuff and the other they're universe, not or are these separate so they're they're really not but it's the same team it is the same like, team but they're not it's james wan and lee wannell um one other thing too before we really dig into this discussion i thought it was strange because this is another blumhouse movie right this is the first Blumhouse movie in a while not produced by Universal. It was produced by Screen Gems. Hmm, interesting. Were the other Insidious movies by Screen Gems? I guess I don't know. I, I'm sure that they probably had some ties to them, sure. Although the time of Blumhouse was very different. That was going back to 2010, Blumhouse. Well, was see, that's what I wonder. Just like, coming into when, its own, own Sony. Yeah, right. and I wonder if they just like, hey, you know, Sony owns the rights to Insidious or whatever. Um, I I don't remember if they were, and I just I just watched the first two recently, and I didn't I wasn't paying attention to that. But all right, Tyler Simpson Tyler Simpkins reprising his role decade a decade later as Dalton Lambert, Patrick Wilson, Josh Lambert, Rose Byrne as Renee Lambert, and Lynn Shay, the only one that's been in all the movies as the I think all the movies I even I don't I think she was don't know if she was in the Keyface movie now that I can't think of it. But no, because that was a different family, right? Okay, that was okay. Um, she's been in a lot of them then. Um, she is at least the, uh, the mediator or the, what do you call them? The medium. Is that what you call them? Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Astor is Foster Lambert, Hyam Abbas, Sinclair Daniel, Peter Dagger, Lee Wannell and Angus Simpson, um, as Specs and Tucker, the two paranormal investigators. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. They're funny. They're, it's funnier if you've seen the first two films because they are, they are kind of a comic relief in the first two films. They're a lot younger, a lot very much like the whole, you know, the whole whatever craze gripped the nation with ghost hunting movies for mm-hmm. a while. They really embodied like how ridiculous those were. But I mean, yeah. they they're kind of a tame version of what they were. But and of course, this is directed by Patrick Wilson, which is important to note because this is I, I'm sure he's the one that 
this only gets made because Patrick Wilson wanted to make it. It's not like the insidious people wanted to make it. They'd obviously moved away from the the Lambert family as the story. So to go back to the Lambert family, having the guy that played the father of the Lambert family, that would tell me that he approached them about making this. And, you know, they were like, okay, well, it's in cities. It's got a built-in audience, built-in name. It's fine. Uh, Patrick Wilson must love working with the Blumhouse guys because he does so many of these things. I'm sure they. I'm sure he does. I'm sure they pay him well. I'm sure he gets incredible back end too. Well, you know, he directed this one, right? Yeah, I just I just got done saying that. Yeah, like so I mean, minutes. that's. But I think that's why you know he's probably still attached to these things because he's like, hey, what if we continue on that story? You know, I have an idea. I'd like to direct it, you know, like other than that, I don't see why he would continue to just keep going down this path, but he's done so many of them at this point. I don't know. And it's uh, Chris, you asked if they're connected to the conjuring stuff. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of the Warrens in the conjuring universe. He's Ed Warren. Yeah. So you, I don't think you can okay, do maybe, that weird. Maybe that's what it is then. Like that kept like uh, springing in my mind with it all. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure a lot of people assume they are all connected. And I'm pretty sure Lee Wannell, the guy, I'm pretty sure he he's the one that made was a creative force behind the first Saw. I'm pretty sure he's also the guy in the tub, isn't he? The, isn't he the guy in the room, Roger? The other guy besides, yeah, um, I believe that he is. He's the guy that dies in the end, but the, the impossible, the one that I always think that was his. Yeah, he, he couldn't so have gotten he that didn't, key. He wrote Saw. Yeah, Juan directed it, obviously. Oh, wonder. Okay, so Lee Wan was just he just wrote it in it, but he was a huge creative force yeah. behind it. But uh, also, Lee Wan Lee Wannell wrote one of the movies I thought ruled. Remember Upgrade? Vaguely, the AI chip yes, in his, yes, his body. Yes. I thought that movie owned. And he also <laughs> wrote Invisible or uh, it directed Invisible Man. So oh, that movie's that movie's incredible. Yeah, that's a ten. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the best movies of that year, bar none, hands down. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You ever watch that one, Chris? Uh, the the newest the new... Invisible Man with uh, yeah. Elizabeth. Um, yeah, I was Moss. on the show. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was on the podcast. Oh, okay, I don't remember if you were or not because that was that's such a strong of... showing, man. Well, wasn't that one of the first movies back to theaters? Is what it was. was yeah, like I think it was. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that was one of the movies. That was or one of the last movies in the. Yeah, it was okay, one of the last movies in because Roger was saying that wouldn't it be funny if Invisible Man and Sonic swept because they were the last mm-hmm. two movies in the yeah. theater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's Six-time talk about Oscar it. winner Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Split Oscars by the Invisible Man. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's that was a weird time. But then, then the way back came out, and then that was pretty much it. Oh, Onward was one of the last ones that came out theatrically as well. I remember going to the theater at the time at the AMC that was local at, at uh, in St. Clairsville, and they're like, "Congratulations, you're guest number five today." And I saw the seven o'clock show. <laughs> <laughs> on on a, on a, on a Saturday, like congratulations, you're you're guest number five. <laughs> like, are you serious? Oh, God man. damn it, I miss those times. They were fun. They were back when we were back when we reported that movies instead of millions were making like thousands, thousands of dollars. Dude, what was it? The one movie that opened and it made like six hundred and fifty eight dollars, and we had to talk about it on the list. <laughs> I don't remember, but yeah. nothing else fucking made the top ten. <laughs> And then it all came back with what was the movie with uh, with Fat John Goodman, Russell Crowe? <laughs> fat Russell Crowe. Oh God, what movie? <laughs> I forget what the movie was. That was actually okay. Enough? That was, was it called in? No, it wasn't called. No, that was, was uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember I what that was I called, forget. but you're gonna have a bad day. 
<laughs> He's gonna make sure you have a bad fucking day. Yeah. All right, let's unhinged. talk about. It was on unhinged. Unhinged. Right, That's right, right. it. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk about. Let's get back into the red. Um, insidious, the red door. So it's. Let's. This is going so 2010 and 2000, I think 12 or 13, Insidious and Insidious Chapter Two, focused on the Lambert family. Uh-huh. They were, they, they start in a house, and of course, one of the f- first creepy scenes when Roseburn, the mother, is in the house after Patrick Wilson has gone off to work, is she walks upstairs, and the one place they haven't been into yet, the as she walks by it, the door opens to go up into the attic. First, yep. All right, get the fuck out of that house. Immediately just leave. Just burn it to, down. Burn it to the ground and leave. But of course, that's what starts it all. And they are living in a house where a spirit medium is haunting them, but it's linked to their, to their family that they find out because they do leave the house and it follows them. It is linked to them. It's linked to the father who has a, a very traumatic past with his mother, with his father, and he has kind of brought it down through the generations. Uh, the first one is... And I know you guys, I've rewatched them. I don't think you guys did, but I know you've seen them, Roger, right? At least you've mm-hmm. seen the first Insidious. It is pretty nonstop scare. Like every five minutes, there's like a jump scare every, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. And it's that opening music of, and it's, this one was different. This Insidious didn't do it, but it's usually like the, those big ass bold letters. And it's like a really like jarring, like, like very insidious. I, I didn't mean to make it sound so much like psycho, but very insidious sounding. It, this one didn't do it like the other ones did, but it's, they're very, they're very disturbing in that way. Very disturbing imagery of devils, things in the darkness that are in the room that only one person can see. And they're moving about it, very fast moving devils on walls. Chris, you would, you would be uneasy with that one because you know, things move very fast and, and, and very unorthodox fashions. Chris thoughts. Almost like skitters away. No, yeah, yeah, yes. I, 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 don't, I don't need cra- I don't need crawly demons. All right, no crawly Skit. demons. But that's so we. The Insidious Chapter Two closes that arc. It brings a close to. Um, Father Lambert. He tries to kill his family, and then they excise the demon just in time, and they prevent a genocide of a family and the demon is taken care of. And I'm, of course I'm missing important parts here with the mother and the father and discoveries and why they're doing it. But one of the, one of the iconic shots of the first insidious is, and Roger, this will jog your memory is after they think they figured everything out is the, someone has their picture taken and they realize it's not the person. It's the demon that's still in the person that, that mm-hmm. goes right. Like literally insidious chapter two starts real quick after the first one ends. And it's a kind of a great cliffhanger. Cause you know, there's a second chapter coming, but that's one yeah. of the more iconic shots of that movie. It's uh, those two movies is when you realize that the demon isn't excised and it's still lurking about. So that's as we go into this one of the, the, the kid, their, their oldest son, he was, he was very young at the time, I think 10. And he was in a coma the entire, he was in a coma for much of it and doesn't remember any of it. And now he's, Flash forward to, well, he must have been eight. This is 10 years later. So flash forward to he's in college now and he's still dealing with this blank spot in his mind that he can't retrieve any memories from, from that year. Mm-hmm. And he's now in art class where he's, he's learning how to you know, enhance his artistic ability and draw and it's bringing back memories. So Roger, knowing that, what is the Red Door about? Red so Door. The, the Red Door is um, a continuation of that story, obviously. Um what it is, what's the son's name? Um, 
I should know this. Oh, I had it. Dalton. Oh, Dalton. 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 Uh, Dalton is, you know, he's tasked with a, an art an art class project where, you know, he basically counts backwards from ten to dig into his memory, which is exactly how he was hypnotized, and it sort of like awakens this, you know, thing with his memory. He starts to remember like what happened in bits and pieces, and it leads him down this path of being able to get into his own mind and then learn to astral or to use astral astral projection mm-hmm. to basically become his own ghost <laughs> and move in and out of the plane. And uh, this story is what happens when he's inside that plane and dude, don't go there. <laughs> it especially seems terrible. Willingly, like, especially willingly. Like, why would you ever yuck, 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 yuck. I mean, look, people still do heroin all the time and they die. So I guess maybe it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, weird, but weird flex, but all right. And Chris, heroin? you, you, I understand, have not seen the first two Insidious films. I have not. Or you've seen parts or whatever. But so going into this one, to, to, <clears throat> now you were filled in with what you thought you needed to be filled, filled in with to understand this story. Mm-hmm. Right, the yeah. the movie the movie gives you all the they necessary. Do they purposely give you the pieces that you need? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I wasn't confused or left wanting from my perspective about you know watching this film. I walked in, I saw this movie. Nothing didn't make sense from what I saw, so I assume they gave me all the pieces I needed. They, for the most part, they they did. I mean, you you know, through the conversations with his mom and his brother, you get a lot of that backstory and what happened. Also, I mean, this isn't exactly groundbreaking cinema. Well, I mean, it's. Yeah. Are, are it's, you saying it, it's not running too deep? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of complexities. <laughs> well, whatever complexities there were in the changing horror genre that you know Conjuring helped bring about was new and radical in 2010. We're way past that. So, I mean, the movie still had to use the same style and technique, but it's 13 years later or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's way later than that. So, yeah, it's definitely not new and groundbreaking at this point. So. Um, can I take the, can I take the stick here for a minute? Please do. Um, now, obviously, you know, we joke all the time, like these aren't really my type of movies. It's not really Chris's type of movies either. We're not big horror people. Um, this movie isn't overly scary. Um, can we agree on that? It's more of a, oh, it's yeah. meant to be, yeah. it's meant to be more of a, a narrative than well, it is a horror like, movie. Like it's psychological. A little bit, right? Now, Chris, you brought up a point, and I wanted to make sure we talk about it on the show. There's a couple of jump scares in this movie, right? And we have talked a lot about jump scares, about how effective or ineffective they are for your movie. Chris, how do you feel about the jump scares in this movie? So, it, it, quite honestly, I think there are two, at least two very well-crafted jump scares in this film. Um, there's actually, they're actually good. I don't feel like they're cheap. I feel like they are well done enough to where I'm not like, oh, you know, rolling my eyes at them after they make me jump in my seat. There are some, there are, there are a couple in this movie that, that they get you, they get you good. Even you, even though you know, they're coming. So <laughs> like, that's, that's big kudos to them because they're interesting enough. They're done in unique ways. And um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're very good. There's, I want to highlight one that was very good. I think was the, when he's in the, the art studio that you already mentioned for the first yep. time, and they count down, and they're counting down. You know something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you feel down. it. You but feel like, it in the movie. 
but like the way that they that that this thing comes at like you know like makes you jump it's very unique to to like what is happening and it wasn't expected like i expected something from the painting to like come out at you it doesn't i expected nope. the teacher to like cheaply come in and like ask him something that she jumps into frame nope yep. something else gets you and it's it's good <laughs> so and and there's a couple more moments like that in this film so i i am glad you brought it up Actually, one other one other scare that like I wasn't a big fan of, and like you see some of this in the trailer, where he is in the MRI yeah, machine. The MRI, yeah, that's the other one. Oh, I was no, thinking. dude, look, dude, fuck that. All right, no. <laughs> you ever been in an MRI machine? I have. Yeah, they, they're a disaster. Like the worst thing in the world. Like you would pray to God you fell asleep during an MRI, right? And then look, not only does this guy fall asleep, he's terrorized by a demon while he's in there. No, no, thank you. No. Well, like so. I want to talk about that one too because I like the setup for it is so good because you know again as the audience in a horror film you know that these things are going to happen something's you know, happening yeah you know they're setting up, setting up for something right but like the imagery, suddenly the lights going out is always bad <laughs> yeah but like the imagery of there's no room in the back of the MRI machine right there's just no room back there but somehow they they make you make they they show you the silhouette of whatever of like something behind him somehow. Mm-hmm. And man, when the arms moving towards him and stuff, and he's trying to like roll his head back to look. Oh no 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 no! I didn't need that. And then the way they jump scare you, which wasn't expected. No, oh, that's terrifying. No, thank no. No, I don't need that in my life. That's that's what I mean. That's what you're talking about when like even you know it's coming, and you still are terrified. Creeps you out, yeah. So so like so like you know it's coming. It still creeps you out, and you're not mad about it. No, no, that's okay. Well, because because we as 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 a movie audience, you know, can we we know a good like well put together scare, you know, when you think about it, compared to like you know like you know one of the scream films that is full of jump scares, but that's just kind of like uh, like how that slasher genre has always been. But they're not like they're not like this. They're not built up in any way. They're not earned. And I think these ones were. I think they're well, well done. The thing with jump scares, a lot of times they're just quick cuts, loud scream noise. Yeah, yep. Main to frighten you, you mm-hmm. know, from the auditory side of it. Like this isn't really that. So I thought that was kind of nifty about how that works out. Yeah. Um another another thing I want to talk about too, since we got the jump scare part out of the way, because they did they did a decent job with this. Now, mind you, I said I don't find this movie very scary, more creepy than scary to me. Um I want to talk about when he's astrally projecting himself in the frat house. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. When he opens up that bathroom door and that kid is just like just vomiting. I'm just like, dude, just shut the fucking door and go somewhere else. Like there is nothing you need to do in there. I mean, literally occupado, right? Yeah. (laughs) Either way. No. Get out of here, man. What also doesn't make any sense because whoever was in there, if it wasn't an astral, if it wasn't like a weird dream, which I don't think at that time we were aware it was a that wasn't projection. That was normal time. Because that was when she's like, I'm going to go spread this butt cream on the toilet seat, so I'll be, be right back. No, wasn't he unconscious? <laughs> no, 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 no. And then, no, 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 that's, no, when, no. That's, then that's when it happens. Uh, yeah. okay, okay. So that's what makes it more, but like also the questions no one, no one's asking, which kind of breaks the whole immersion is, well, that person just heard everything that they said. So yeah. whatever, they're, they're going to get in trouble and chase out of the frat house. But <clears throat> I mean, but it's the point is like, that's the first one that like goes from, shows you that there's two worlds. So, and it's Dalton remembering, but yeah, that's, I I agree with you. It's a little strange. And there's some things along that same route that I want to 
talk about, Chris, and you talked about the MRI scare, which I think legitimately could be the king of the, this movie as far as scares go. Because it almost gets I, you I, three times, and on the fourth time it gets you because you're like, ah, it's not coming. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 one's the best long scare, quote unquote, if we're gonna call it anything. But man, that that one in the art room, man, it hits you so fast, and you know it's fucking coming too. Which it, is, it is like a fucking knife strike, just whoosh. yeah. It is, I mean, it the, is so yep. quick. And they're counting it down. Oh god! I want to say I, I want to talk about how long this movie takes to get to anything important. You know what I mean? Like, what I mean by that is it takes so long to get to the first scare. Like that's, the actual story, and that's not a bad thing. But this is a, this is an insidious movie, and they've all been pretty fast paced, scare every few minutes. So to change the formula in, well, in the fifth fifth movie is weird to me. Now I say that because now to Patrick Wilson, uh, now I'm what I'm going to say. I'm giving him credit for crafting the story and then telling it because he would have had all these creative decisions in in, in his in his realm. Here is mm-hmm. I appreciate taking the time to set this up, especially because Dalton doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't remember the sacrifice his parents made for him. He doesn't remember any of this. And I do appreciate, now this is just, now this is the side of Grayson that loves the, the, the Jules trailer that loves the emotional connection is I appreciate the time it takes to set up, you know, we're like 25 minutes in before we get to any jumps, before we get to any kind of creepy shit, which well, it depends on if you, if you consider, did you guys catch the one, when the dad is sitting in the car yeah. after the funeral, yep. did you catch yeah. that? Like, a lot of people, I'm sure, didn't even catch that. So, and, and uh, I think it speaks to what you're already talking about, right? Like, I think that scene was well. It was meant to t- to show you that they're taking their time with, like, he's taking the t- the times telling the story, and I think that was their way of kind of like cluing you in on that because that whole scene, he's just sitting there texting. You're just reading text on the screen, and yep. this whole time, you know, it, they slowly build up the the silhouette of someone walking up behind him shambling you know almost like a zombie and mm-hmm. that's meant to kind of like you know creep you out then once you realize what's happening but they take a very long time in that scene that's just him sitting there in the car and reading text and i think that speaks to them going okay we're going to tell this story here so hang tight it's going to take us a few minutes and i'm okay with that because they let us know early on that that's what they were doing with that scene i think well, that's that's visually what was going on. Like you could see this; it was not in focus at all, but you could see the mishmash of colors behind him, and it did it didn't yep. fit in this. Like they didn't fit you in the natural world. Was not right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then like he leans over to like put the phone down, then like he's gone, and then you're like, oh my god, okay, we we avoided that one. I thought that was very well done, especially to clue you in that this isn't going to be like the other Insidious films. This is going to be a slower, more methodical build, and then it'll get somewhere. It's not going to be like the other, you know, jumpy, jumpy scares. Um, Can you guys tell me who the who the guy was that met him at the at the funeral that said that that uh, I knew your I knew well, your mother? Yes, that so, was. Yes, that I was, can. That's the, the guy first, that hypnotized him in the second film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. They, so they, like, so, they show it in the beginning of this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so, but I didn't want to miss it. But then, like, the woman at the end almost says the same exact things to him, and it's someone else. So I didn't know if there was like a well. That's thing. The, that's the thing is he was not he was possessed that entire time. Mm-hmm. And he kills the medium, so he wouldn't remember any of that because until he was, he's been possessed for some time in the first two films, and by the time that they excise the demon and fully close that arc at the end of chapter two, those other people are gone from the story. So he wouldn't have remembered who they were. Neither would Dalton have remembered anything. So it's kind of a clever way that they bring those back in. 
and they bring the father back because there was a fair deal about his father is he was worried that something wasn't right with his mother and his father. He always thought there was something off there, but kudos to Patrick for able to bring this or for Wilson able to bring this back around in a, this was, this didn't feel shoehorned, even though it came way too late. It didn't feel forced or shoehorned. It felt like a natural next chapter of the insidious films to me, at least anyway, because it it fits in this world, you know, and and that's fine. So, let me ask you guys a dumb question. Did you know there's an after credit scene to this? No, I did not. I stayed the oh, entire oh. scene. I stayed the entire credit scene. Did you? Did you see the lights flicker above the red door? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. I, I did. I yeah, did. So Also, that's Patrick Wilson singing in the credits sequence. That's him singing yeah. the song. Oh, so okay, great. I guess I yeah, didn't realize that. That is kind of cool. Um, um, but yeah, so I mean, they have an idea something else might happen in this universe, obviously. And it's, because if it's not, doing well. Why, it's doing I mean, well for itself. I mean, it's almost it's it's pacing to make it ten times its budget. Yeah, it's like, it's like a sixteen million budget or something. <laughs> yeah, and it's already like one hundred and twenty-five. So yeah. there's it oh, easily could get another few million dollars if there's a sequel in it. They're gonna get it. Like it's yeah. it's already past that point where like they're sure it'll it'll sell. Which to me is amazing. So I as long as there's a story, but I think the Lambert story is done, which worries me because the other stories, chapter three and Keyface. Insidious Four were not commercial successes as much as the first the first two Insidious films are. So I'm worried that if they move away from the Lambert family, they're going to lose the magic. I, the magic to me with Insidious has always been the Lambert family. Bringing it back okay. to bringing it back to the family is I'm also glad that because there was such dysfunctional in the first two films, there was so much tension between him and his wife all the time. It was never good, never no. good. And I'm glad that this Who one. Who knew if you were possessed by a demon and tried to kill your family that there might be some marital problems? Who knew? Who knew? Weird. But I'm glad they started this movie divorced because it like it it shows me that they haven't just been like lazily struggling on. Like the writers didn't just oh they've been okay for the ten years. They're just struggling. You know what I mean? Like no, they're divorced and she's almost completely moved on. Have clearly yet. been divorced for a while too. By yeah. the way, the kids are kind of. You know they they have allegiances one way. Dalton really hates his father. The younger son kind of feels seems very indifferent. Yeah, and the and the daughter really doesn't have any ties to the. So let's talk about the. Can we talk about the daughter for four seconds? Mm -hmm. The daughter has one line in this in this movie. Well, she was she was a baby when the other film. Yeah, but I mean, so like you see her at the funeral, and then never again in the whole movie. But that doesn't surprise me though. I just thought that that was kind of funny that, the, you know, they have three kids, you know, this movie features heavily one of the children and then the brother plays like the side character part. But then the daughter's just like, she's not here. She's at her friend's house for the weekend. <laughs> well, I but I mean, that was funny. again, she's she's not important in the telling of the story. Well, but, so I, I would disagree. Well, obviously, she's not a critical function of this story, but like this movie, you know, revolves around this family. True. Okay. Fair. You understand that that's the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we don't see this kid the entire movie. So are we thinking the next movie is about the kid? Well, I was happy when, because look, I have a brother and we have a, even though I also, there's four of us in my family. Mom had four. You do astral projection. (laughs) No, but I mean, that'd be pretty cool, but no, but that'd be fucking rad. I have a, even though my sisters are older and I've I was the third one out of four that my brother and I have a more special kinship relationship than me and my sisters do. But I think that's the same for sisters and for brothers. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that plays a role in this of how Dalton 
calls his brother several times, even though like the brother's phone calls are almost comedic. Like they're meant to be funny as you know, but they do have that like, ah, bro, can you help me remember what happened? I'm getting these. Is this what, is this what college is like? Cause <laughs> shit, if it is, I ain't going. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Buddy. Yeah. Um, no, and then he fucking, yeah, he just hangs up on him. <laughs> and if, if they're going to include the younger brother, if they're going to include Andrew Foster as, or Andrew Astor as Foster Lambert, if they're going to include the younger brother, I thought they would include the daughter too of like, you know, having a sibling powwow because like siblings are always super close. Well, not always. Yeah, but, like or like a group text between the three of them. Like they went through this together. Like they all. I mean, the, the girl wouldn't remember it, but you know, they all survived a hellish ordeal. Hey, Grayson. Ago. Yeah. Does your one sister still think I'm hilarious? Yeah, they do. Yeah, fuck thank yeah, you. she does. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, so that's. I mean, it's just. I would have. I would have preferred to give her a few more lines or even if they all sat down and had coffee and Dalton was like, Hey, do you guys remember anything from that? Even a quick throwaway scene, I would have preferred it because it shows you that there is a bond between the siblings and they all experienced it. But as of now, it seems like the, the youngest daughter never even like she never even, this is a nothing to her. Yep. This is a blank spot completely. Okay. I want to shift gears for a second. So let me ask you guys a dumb question. Sound fair sure. Ready for a dumb question. Sure. You guys ever been to a frat party? Of course. I have right. not. Okay. Um, so Grayson, from someone who's been to a frat party, because I've been to many in my life. Um, so knowing the way things are now in the world versus the way things are when I was going to frat parties, you know, legitimately 20 years ago at this point. You old fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I, I fucking know. Um <laughs> Aren't you surprised that we had a frat party depicted the way we had a frat party depicted? I I am because, yes. However, yes and no. Yes, I'm surprised because things are the way they are now in 2023, and even when this yes. was made in 2022, they weren't that. They weren't yeah, that same. Different. Same. I mean, it's pretty much the same. However, I'm not surprised that it wasn't depicted the way it is. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised it was depicted in the way it was in the 2000, early, late nineties, early two thousands, because, you know, some colleges are probably still like that. And Patrick Wilson, he also may not have given a shit. And said, I mean, no, that's, that's fair. Know. I just thought that that was kind of a weird thing. Cause like, look, you know, I've, I went to college in the early two thousands, legitimately from 2000 to 2003, right? My, my four year tenure. And, you know, I went to frat parties where, like, there was so many people, like, they were on the roof fucking partying. Like, that was that was a real thing that happened. But, like, I've never been to a party where, like, would you like some diaper pudding? And I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, that, that was a pledge. That was someone pledging. No, I, and, yeah. I, I, I understand. Also, the pledges don't do that the first week of the year. No, <laughs> they don't. And, and also, many colleges these have parties are to get people to want to pledge your fraternity. Yes, That's what they're for. <laughs> and I'm so, sure to 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 your point about the question in the first place is I'm sure a lot of colleges have their frat parties are m much toned down compared to what they used to be with that yeah. kind of stuff because they have to. I mean, be you can't just have booze sitting around and shit like that anymore. No, it's not no, the way I'm, things work. Yeah, no, things, <laughs> so. things are. I mean, it was at one time the way things worked, but no, no, sure. Um, yeah, things are just different now. And if you know, it just it is. Although I've never really been to one as crazy as I've ever seen depicted in any movie ever, 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 ever. So there's some creative liberties taken, I'm sure. Now, maybe you have, Roger, and that would, you know, maybe you have been to a crazy one. So I have legitimately been to a frat party that was busted up by the fucking SWAT team. Mm. So 
I have yes. not. That's pretty cool. It was tear. No, no, sir. It's not cool. <laughs> of course it is. Of course. It I is. mean, look, it's a cool story, mm. but like I legitimately remember running down some side street <laughs> off of East Exchange Street in Akron, <laughs> Ohio. Look it up. And like I, I was I by myself because we all got separated. Right. And five minutes of walking down this street, a car fucking pulls up to me. It's one of my buddies goes, get the fuck in the car. And then we're just gone. <laughs> like it was like a fucking drug deal. happened. Actually, you know what? Parties were more like, you remember can't hardly wait. Another movie I watch pretty often. Yeah. That, they were more like that. People just sitting in a house. Chilling. Okay. No, that that's yeah. actually more accurate description. Also, you know, it's funny to think about like those parties. I'm like, I was, I like older me is so entirely uncomfortable that younger me did shit like that because like my anxiety is a thousand times worse now than it was then. Well, when you're a younger person, you don't think about that kind of crap any like at all. Like you don't think about personal safety. You don't think about, you know, you don't think about anything that could actually kill you because in your twenties, no, it was like, yeah. here, you want to drink? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's I, in this? I don't know. I mean, we've all played that game where we've had to sit there and think about how many times we should have been dead in our early, in our late teens early 20s because we did stupid shit of course yeah no it's fair all right so back to so off the the good conversation back to the movie okay well, back, to, <laughs> back to the movie let's talk about some other things that i i think let's talk about some other story things um how do you guys find now i was i'm a, unfortunately on the low end of this but the dialogue exchanges especially between dalton and his father at college and the majority of the movie i thought were I guess the writing could have used a bit of a touch-up is what I'm saying. So I was not a fan I, of the writing. I think legitimately if Chris isn't in this movie, the writings are like the dialogues a thousand times worse. Actually, she's one of my talking points. I don't I just wrote down as the girl, but she's one of my talking points. Um, I did. The majority of the dialogue I had a problem with was the emotional stuff between him and his daughter, him, him and his son and him and his wife. Well, it doesn't that feel was, good. That was, it well, feels- that was stuff I thought was forced and it didn't flow. Not that I've ever been divorced in that situation, but it just didn't seem like people would be talking to each other in that way. But well, I actually have some insight in that. Not that I'm divorced. I mean, but like, so they are divorced and, you know, things have been weird for them, their entire marriage, obviously, you know, demonic possession aside, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, you know, they would have got, they got divorced for any kind of normal reasons. Honestly, you know, their whole life is jacked up because of this like spirit demon thing. So maybe in her eyes, you know, she doesn't really hate him. You know, it's not like there was anything that he did, you know, even the fact that he tried to kill the family, like she knows it wasn't him, you know, so she doesn't hold it against him. I think that tried to, that explains it to me a little bit more like, Hey, you know, I get why she doesn't think he's the worst person on the planet for trying to kill the family. So I think she's just kind of giving him a break. Well, I yeah, so, get that. And it's sorry, Chris, go ahead. I was going to ask you, <clears throat> what do you mean by you don't think that someone in that, in their situation would talk the way that they do? Like, it like, just didn't like, extrapolate the dialogue. Just, it seemed like it was written by someone that didn't have a lot of experience as a writer. And with that situation in, in, in life, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm attributing it to poor writing rather than the actual words chosen. If you know what I mean? Like it just, maybe they would have talked to each other like that, but it's the way, the way the lines were written. I just, I never bought it as reality. I, I think there, the issue, cause, cause there, there is something off, but also there's some there, you know, I, I think the dialogue was fine for like, you know, how they spoke with each other. 
with their situation, you know, kept in mind. But I think it's because at the same time they're trying to deliver story, right? So of course, yes. some 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 of it is forced within, like you know, what would be a real, co- you know, like a possibly real conversation between two people, and then you have the added weight of trying to, you know, move the move the story along, you know by you know building that story within the conversation instead of just letting two characters on screen that you've been with for five movies or four movies or whatever and like you know let them conversation for character building you're also trying to use that conversation as a vehicle to move things along which will make it seem awkward if it's not done perfectly i think but some of this movie isn't super long either true no it's um no it's not at all it's 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 just a shade over 90 minutes it's 107 minutes so that's not terrible, actually. So that's, that's not too bad. Even with trailers, it's not. It's like a two-hour experience. It's not bad. So no, I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't hate all the dialogue, just some of it. And I, one thing I do what, that I really appreciated was uh, two things that I really thought was kind of a, a attention to detail that I'm glad we got was, Roger, what you were saying about the Rose Burns character, she knew it wasn't, him doing yeah. it she knew it was possessed him so she there's that scene where she looks into his eyes and knows that it's him and that's and i really appreciate that because people who are married and have three kids like they would know it's one of those weird things like you would know if that person was possessed or not simply by looking at them no see you're you now, now you're destroying the entire premise of Face Off. I don't like that. Oh, oh Face Off? <laughs> oh, How dare you attack one of our legendary films? Yeah, I don't know about mm. all that. She knew, though. That character, that woman knew. Well, maybe after the story about it the dentist. Took her, it took her a while. Yeah. story about the dentist is what did it, yeah. Um, but that's, I appreciate that. Um, and I also appreciated the the art teacher, how brutal she was to some of those students. But you really, you really have to do push students to... Or push people to really dig, you know. And I like her care when when she saw that Dalton had drew had drawn a door. She, you know, she didn't say anything except, "Is it keeping you in or is it keeping you out?" I thought that was so, a, that's a very interesting question to pose in such an early early form of the or early stage of the movie. I like the uh, the first interaction with the art teacher where she goes right at the one guy and was like, "Hey, man, this is not what we're looking for. Tear it up." And the kid freaks out, and she's like, "All right, whatever, you, you quit, cool." And then Dalton, out of nowhere, tears up the photo, and she's like, "Dalton Lambert, why would you destroy such precious <laughs> art?" Like, I actually laughed at that because it was clever, you know. And clever is funny. There's Many a lot times. of very laughable, like for instance, when the girl says, "Would you like to blow on my hua?" Because we also hooter, yeah. That would, like hooter. That, would you like to would, blow my hooter? Yeah. yeah. Would you like to blow my hooter? Is the best line of cinema history, in my opinion. Which is, it, that's really that's a really cool little instrument thingy. That's a really cool mm-hmm. little little thing. Yeah, uh, I did like uh, certain things. I did like was how the the bond that those two developed. Because like you do tend to in college, like some of the first people you meet, you do tend to develop like really like close friendships with those people. With your roommates, yeah, yeah. roommates and sweetmates and shit like that. True. Yeah, so th- that much I did like, and how she. One thing I didn't about that same situation though was how they handled the when she was being choked by the demon mm-hmm. and she was like, fuck this, I'm done. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're like the conversation that followed wasn't Dalton like, you knew and you came along anyway. I told you what I was I filled it in for you and you still didn't believe me. That's what happened. Now it's not gonna leave you alone. You're in this whether you want to be or not. But it was some weird like Okay, well, if you don't want to be involved, that's fine. Like Dalton was just playing the the good guy when he wasn't understanding the fullness of the situation. That I think the script would have 
that I think his character would have at that point made her understand. Once you, once you've kind of come in contact with these things, you're in until you figure it out or they kill you. I think more importantly, I, I didn't like the fact that it felt very out of character for Chris. It seemed like she was very much ride or die no matter what, because the, you know, she's friends with Dalton and then like, and then like, I, I know she just got choked by a demon, blah, 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 whatever. But like, it just seemed very, you know, okay, I can't do this anymore. Stay away from me kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but you like you, you've been on this journey with him understanding that there's, you know, there's an astral plane and it's dangerous and there's demons and undead. Like, you know, all of this. And then all of a sudden you're shocked when something bad within that realm yeah. happened to you. Like You know, something terrible could be in there and be like, Oh shit, something bad happened. I'm out. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it felt very out of place and out of character for the way that they had built Chris up. So I think that was just like the, uh, the obligatory, we have to make tension now and make you think that, you know, Dalton's alone, but she's going to come back at the last second. Har har. I don't like those things. Those feel cheap. That's a cheap jump scare. You know, like version of, you know, trying to make, you know, won't, you know, will they, won't they kind of things. I hate that. Well, so I, of, I, I didn't appreciate that. Some of the stuff I hated was in the dorm room. And it's some of the, it's, a, it's the same kind of shit that like plagued like 99 through 2007 with all those horror movies. Like, does no one invest in like real lights anywhere? Like does, do these lights all show so, almost nothing? I, you know, I did make a comment to my wife during this movie. So my college dorm room, now mind you, 20 years ago, was the, had the brightest goddamn fluorescent lights in that thing that would like, you could see from space when you turned them on. You know what I mean? It wouldn't have been like, well, let's, you know, let's turn on the single lamp we have in this, you know, 15 by 15 room. Like, that's not what happens. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna use the bathroom here. Take our one lamp with you, so you can see all the way there. Yes, right down this yeah. hallway. <laughs> you know, so you, it's dangerous. Don't go alone. Take this you know, <laughs> straight out of fucking Zelda. Here's our lamp. Also, the power grid in this school must be her- atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it goes off for everyone. I think it just goes off for whoever, whoever's taking part in that little world. Well. The other thing is, too, I want to talk about when he astral projects himself up into her bedroom. Dude, bro, what are you doing? Well, I think Creep. that's just I think that's just where the, it went. I don't think he I think that's just where. Did you guys catch the thing crawling behind him, too? Chris, yep. did you oh following him around? Yeah. Looking skittering. I, I don't give I don't fault I don't like the movie that, using that word because it's, it's a good Chris word. Started, Chris no, it is. It is good. I just I don't. It's yeah. a. I don't mind that Roger because I think that was more like kind of an on rails. I think he had to go where the mist and where the where the scene needed him to go rather than that was free will wandering up to her room. Okay, also, so let me ask let me ask one other question about that then. All right. Okay, before we shift gears here. So does a locked door in the real world not matter in the astral world? Well that's all that's another thing too is people I don't like it in this movie where people experience obviously paranormal stuff and they don't ever talk about it. like she's like were you just in my room well no so an invisible person was in your room and i was astral project like i told you but she doesn't think of, like she doesn't question any of it you know what i mean yeah. like how could you didn't that's what i don't like about movies like this is there's just so many things left unsaid that the script kind of has to in order to work but it just seems so unreal sometimes go chris i think you want to say something well, no, I was just going to say that it, well, to answer the question, can you pass, does a locked door matter? I don't think so. I think, you know, the rules they've written is like, you know, anything goes if you're in paranormal mode. But I, in that moment, 
it's not him anymore. I think I think what they were showing you is that he was he he became possessed in the in that astral realm is what it was. He well, was no, no, that the possession didn't happen until later. No, I'm although that was creepy in its own right, though. No, I think no, because the way he was acting, he was very giddy. He was very he was kind of like jumping around with a smile on his face. I think he unwillingly, you know, was sharing his consciousness with the demon at the same time. And that it was showing you that he could become possessed. I think that's what that was, was he was the one that caused the shit to happen in her room. I think it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know, because she was the one that or he was the one that showed her the very short song that him and his mom composed together on the piano. And then he played, that's what he played to wake her up. So I think he was like being cheeky with the fact that, Hey, I can do this. Like I told you and you didn't believe me. Mm. And then all of a sudden the, the door opens and closes and, you know, then she comes down and doesn't ask any further questions, which is weird to me because if that happens, I'm going to ask some questions. Believe Maybe. me. Maybe um, how? Because it just uh, there's a couple more things I want to cover, and we're running. Yeah. We are now running yeah. a little long, but okay. I want to <laughs> I want to cover a couple of things. It's talk about the red door, and we go back to the the wandering in the in the dark in the dark cave of mist. Patrick Wilson and the son are doing. I I see. That's what I kind of liked. That even in the first two films, they spent a lot more time in that kind of setting. I really enjoy that that kind of like wandering aimlessly and lost until some like a light guides you a certain way. I mean, it's very biblical. It's very, it's very like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very, um, not iconic, but it's very image sensitive. Like you have to have the right imagery to tell that kind of story or that part of the story. And I did, I did like that kind of weird, how they integrated that. Well, I like how they show him when he's walking through with his lantern that if you paid attention, you can see other like little flickers of other lanterns. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, I, there yeah, are multiple yeah. shots when you see him, especially when he's walking towards the camera with the lantern out in front of him. That if you look off to the one side, there's definitely somebody going the other way. You're just like, all right, this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, other people are in that world. I think that we know that other people are sometimes congruently in that world, whether they can react with each other. Oh yeah, I for sure. I don't know. But I mean, I, they definitely I like, can react with each other. I, mean, I like because, the red door. Um, I like to bring it back, you know, because I mean, a door like that, like Hello American Beauty, hugely iconic and hugely important. A door pane sure. that, like a red red door. Um, I, I like the red door. I like, you know, the sacrifice in the end. Um, by the way, I thought that was going in a very different direction, and I'll talk about that in a second. But I also want to talk about the scene where she's divulging more of her past. She is in Chris, the roommate, divulging more of her past in Dalton's room. And he's sitting well, well, she's using the machine to like get cook up all the lights and you see the lights come on and you see Dalton's face twice. Oh, and then the yeah. dude, nope, you all do that nope. was coming. And that's still like, that was some yeah. of the most, oh man, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up so much yeah, to see his I, face. Like I, I, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Well, didn't like no. it as in creeped you out or didn't like it. Yeah, as no, no, it no, stupid. no, no. What's the out, difference? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was very lights on, lights off, lights on, lights off, lights on. Nope. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like that. And then he just gets up and walks away. And then, again, it's like one of those, she's looking around the room, but she didn't hear the door open oh. and close, so he's still in the room somewhere. And then you see him. I, oh, I, I, I also think the line before that, when she goes, you know, I brought the lights, and he, and he says, he says, I'm not afraid of the dark anymore. And it's like, oh. Oh, right. Like, yep. That, that, that's it. That's actually a good line. Like that was actually very, I think, very well delivered. 
Well, that's showing you that he's possessed. Well, no, I get he, that. But... Yeah, he's about to be possessed. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. I mean, I I didn't think the person who played adult Ty, Ty Simpkins, was the strongest actor, and I think that kind of well, hurts him. He's the same kid that played the original. Yeah. Ty Simpkins as Dalton. I don't, th- but he's not a strong actor, and I think that that may have hurt the movie a little bit. But that's just that's my personal opinion. I have one more question after this. But do you guys feel that way, or do you do you think he was fine? I mean, I'm indifferent on him. On no yeah, better, no worse uh, for him. I, I think in this movie, at this budget, I think it makes sense. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. So, last thing I want to talk about is: Did you guys think that there was going to have to be a sacrifice? in front of a certain door for Dalton to get out? Or did you, or did you think that they're both going to make it out? I never, I never had an idea that they weren't both going to make it. I never got that vibe. See, I, I did get that. I'm, it's kind of weird that you guys didn't get that vibe. And I did. You, Chris, do you think about that or no? I, 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 th- I think they want you to think that there's going to be a sacrifice, but I think that they know that they have a, you know, a ten to twenty million dollar budget franchise that they can pump out and make you know make profit on, so they don't get rid of any of their characters that they don't have to. So, yeah. Well, right, but I, I definitely thought there was going to have, to, especially when I was, especially when he sees who he sees at the end, right before the credits yeah. roll. I thought mm-hmm. for sure he was dead. Like, oh, he's dead. He he didn't make it out of the like he's his body's in he's front of the door. In there, yeah. yeah, in order for them to be safe, he has to be. That's where I thought the movie was going, especially when he talks to his wife and she's like, "No, you didn't. Our marriage didn't end for normal reasons. Our marriage ended because we couldn't get a handle on whatever happened. That's yeah. why it ended, and because we never we were never able to reconcile." I thought it was certainly going. A, I didn't think he was going to wake up in the chair, and B, I thought he was really going to like it was going to snap back to when we saw her, at least the medium in the street that after, after he sees her and then turns to get in the car, he like freezes for a second. And then it was just going to go right back to the chair and they're putting a blanket over him and he's, he's dead. Sacrificed himself Jeez. to sit in front of the door. Yeah, so the demon yeah. doesn't make it out. Well, but the whole thing, it, it ends with me, you know, the, his father tried to end it with him. Didn't work. And then the whole thing with, it ends with me. Now the, the the whole thing goes to me goes back to. I mean, I'm referencing in my mind the butterfly effect, when, you know, the dad tried to kill his son several times and kill himself, so it wouldn't that sickness wouldn't continue through other children. And I thought that's where it was going. And this one too is you know especially when we f- saw that it ends with me at like maybe 30 minutes before the film actually ended. Oh, there's no way. Patrick Wilson's yep. character makes it through this movie. <laughs> There's no way he's he's alive at the end of this. So I'm I'm just surprised he was. I'm and Chris, probably what you just said is probably accurate. They realized they had another movie that was going to be a hit, and if they could squeeze one more sequel out of a anywhere from fifteen to twenty million dollar budget with a hundred million dollar return, that then they should do it. Yep, exactly. But so I don't know. Anything else you guys want to talk about, good or bad, before we score it? No, I mean. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, I don't just, think anything else for this film. I, I I think in the end, I think it was you know, I think it was mediocre, but it has it has some highlights, but it has some lowlights too. I mean, listen, it it absolutely fits in the insidious world. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just it is what it is. It does it does fit, and that's and Chris, you've never seen the first two insidious films. I suggest you do, especially if you liked this one or have interest to go back. Those films are far superior to this, and they were like. That's true. They were right at the height of the whole 
found footage, digital footage, horror thing that started for several years that a lot of movies weren't successful with, but some very much were. And Insidious is one of those. And it's just to see what a $1.5 million budget on a $110 million budget return or $110 million box office return looks like. That's the first Insidious film. But it's, it's also done in a different kind of, it's a much different, more feral kind of savage way it's just it's in your face jump scare demon jump scare demon jump scare demon kind of thing but um if, if i'm scoring this and i'll start i go ahead the first two insidious films to me insidious is probably an eight chapter two is probably a seven this is somewhere five and a half to a six range i'll just give it a six um hmm. think pretty highly of this thing huh I thought it was better than a lot of people are going to think of it. Well, so, and I, I like the way I like the, you know, I like the way it ended. I thought it was more mature than we were going to get given it was okay. a decade later and obviously not the same caliber of writers. I liked how it ended though. I wasn't, it wasn't where I thought it though where the movie was telling me it was going. I liked a lot of this film. I didn't, this is an insidious film. It's just not as good as the others, but it is a continuation. But now we're definitely clo- like the loop is definitely closed on these storylines. So I don't mm. know how they're going to squeeze another sequel out of this. Mm. I have no idea. Don't worry. Don't worry. They will. They will. All right. But yeah, I'm going right, to go Chris, you or me. I'll go next. So this movie's mediocre at best. Um, it's, you know, there's, like I said, there's highlights, there's lowlights. Um, some very well done jump scares. If you're a fan of the Insidious movies, you're going to like this. You know what I mean? I, I think. I think that's how that this is going to go. It's like Grayson said, though, it, it's been a while since, you know, these characters and it's not the same pacing, but it's more information on what's happened. You know, like, you know, it deals with what's happened before from everything that, you know, Grayson and Roger have alluded to um, because of the good, you know, the, there's some really good lines. There's some decent moments and there's some good jump scares in this. I think it's I, I think it's it's just above a five out of five point five. So I'm going to say five point five. It's not terrible. It's not great though, but if you're into this movie, you're going to go to the movies and you're going to you're going to like it. So, that's where I'm at. Okay, that that's fair. Um so I'm not a big fan of this movie. I didn't think it was very good. Um look, at, at its core, absolutely it's a or an insidious film, okay? Um the first insidious movie is an okay flick. The second one's a downgrade. This is even a step below that. So, um, I don't, I don't have any problem with how Blumhouse churns these things out, do them for a few, you know, few million bucks. I think 15 for this one, it legitimately might make 10 times its money. So good for them. Like I'm happy for them. They continue to find financial success with it. This movie to me though, isn't very good. Um, there is some well-crafted things in this movie, but overall the story is just soft as hell. Um, I think this movie's like a four, maybe a four and a half. Um, if I had to rank the other insidious movies, the first one's probably a seven and then a five and then a four. So I would like to be done with this. We're probably not obviously cause we got the stinger at the end, but you know, they make a decent movie and that's the only thing that comes out. I'll probably have to watch it because I'm on this show. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you for that. Incredibly optimistic. Last part of that. I appreciate it. <laughs> I guess I'm watching the next one. That's the realest thing. <laughs> if we have to, I'll watch it. Oh, man, that's that's amazing. All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this discussion. Mm-hmm.
Oh, but I don't think very highly of Insidious Chapter Three or Keyface Insidious. I those are like threes. I don't know. Yeah, those are like threes, those. twos, and threes. So, yeah. But trash. When you come back to the Lamberts, it's always a it's always a good time. But uh, this has been episode three hundred and thirty nine A of Ford Love hey. Cinema, a movie hey. podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning at five a.m. on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. I am Christopher Bond. Don't forget Whoa. to check us out on Twitter. Always posting. I'm sorry, on Facebook, not Twitter. I don't know why I said Twitter. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Twitter Facebook. too. Oh, we do, do don't we? Yeah, there's my, yes. my there's, there's my 38 year old brain just dying, slowly. rotting, slowly rotting away. <laughs> Yes, we are. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Always posting things on both Facebook and Twitter, social media. We're also on YouTube. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Bird Box Barcelona, yet another Netflix movie. Yay.